All righty. Thank you, Lord. Y'all write a check. I need to see some checks being written. Give lots of money to Camp Morley to help pay for those people. Lord, we appreciate the people that are doing that. That's good. Y'all good? Man, Jeremy and Lorraine are going to be pastoring our church. I warn every person who wants to be a pastor, don't do it. <laughs> I'm trying to tell myself, don't do it. Stop. Get out of it. Hey, this is what we're going to do at the end of the service, okay? We have uh, Luis's parents uh, uh, are here, and they've been visiting with Luis and uh, Nova and Jeremy and, and Jeremy Lorraine. They, have, of course, have been living in Washington State. Right? Or Oregon. One of them. Some, Washington State. Some, it's all the same. It's all the same. Anyway, like North Carolina and South Carolina is the same. Right? Wrong. <laughs> Sorry if you're from South Carolina, but this is questionable. Anyway, Lord bless people from South Carolina. I know the Davises are from South Carolina, but they're supposed to move up here. So they're getting revelation. They're going to repent from South Carolina. Anyways... Um, my brother lives in South Carolina. My sister lives in South Carolina, so I do have family there. These people, these people have one of the greatest spiritual heritages of anybody I've ever talked to. Um, and I've witnessed that down in South America. And, I mean, literally, they were, uh, their family has been a part of like a major revival down there. And they've had, like, God has come in, in, in their home and visited their home in an unreal way, ways that you just like, oh, my gosh, this is what I want. God to come into my house like that. I mean, you know, where, where, where people were just going into these trances and prophesying. And anyways, Louis said he wanted me to pray for his parents before they left today. I thought, uh, yeah, that's cool, but it'd be more cool if they pray for us. <laughs> Because I'm a big believer in impartation. So they're going to pray for us today at the end and release what they have. They have something remarkable. I'm telling you, they really, really do. And so I really wanted them, I know, just to, for people to come and them just lay hands and just release this, this heritage that they have in the Lord that's just amazing. They were just telling me stories the other night, and I've heard some of them, and it just made me just so hungry for the Lord. Like, Lord, I just... That's what my dream is, is what they're saying. That's my dream is, is when you see God in a house and then it spills over into the streets and it offends the, the people in charge so bad that they stop it. They want to stop it. You know, the, the leaders that are being challenged by what God's doing. Now, you know the Lord's moving when the pastors say, no, you can't do this no more. Usually it's the Lord. I mean, every once in a while people are being carnal. That's okay to tell them to stop, but not God. Amen. So y'all going to do that. Okay? <laughs> we love those guys. I love those people from South America. I feel more connected with them than, than I ever have, really. Anyways, this is called the get, Let's Get Real message. That's how terrible a message it is. It's getting real. <laughs> let's get real. But we're just talking about what we're looking for is... I don't know about you, but in my, my life as a believer, uh, God just will not let me not be real with Him. In other words, you know, if something happens in my life, like, uh, you know, I go through these phases where I pray in tongues a lot, and it's really meaningful, and I really, it's real powerful. I go through a time where I really worship. But usually, inevitably, what happens is somewhere along the lines, that 
just seems like it just quits working. You know, and I'm all caught up in the Lord, and then I realize one day is, this is there's something not real about this. It's, it's become a method. Okay, I'm going through the motions. The life of it is gone. And y'all know what I'm talking about? And you can do that with anything in your spiritual life. So, you know, you know I just appreciate the Lord not letting me get away with that. Amen? He just won't let me get away with it. He just like, okay, if you're going to do that, let me know when you get through. <laughs> when, I, when you get through doing what you're doing, I'll be waiting on you, okay? Uh, I, so I think that's such a valuable thing. But what our dream is is for us to get real with God, everybody. And then a church that comes together, a group of people that's gotten real. Just, and and we're not, we've done with just going through the motion that this, there's a real relationship. There's something real happening. And it's not just all this other stuff that, that's not real. Are you all interested in that? That's really what God is calling us into. And so I wanted to read these, a few scriptures out of Ephesians 4. And hopefully I'll do a little bit better than I did in the first service because honestly it was just terrible. <laughs> it was the power went off. Uh, I was sweating like crazy. I was so hot. I don't know what happened to the air conditioning. It quit working for a while. I think when the power went off, it messed up, turned all the stuff off. Anyways, these are these are famous scriptures. Okay, it's in Ephesians four. Uh, and really, what I want to do is sort of help us see something here about the church that I believe is really God's dream. If you remember, the book of Ephesians really is the dream of God. It's God's blueprint. It's the way God really wants things to be. That's, that's really, really what this whole purpose of this book is. It's God's design. And He has a design for the church. And it says, he, gave, he Himself gave some to be apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipment of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These people called the fivefold ministry, their whole job is to, to equip and build up the church. It seems like a lot of times that we have made the fivefold ministry ministers the end instead of the means to the end. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, we put more value on them and what they're doing than what their, what their real calling is. We're the, the church, the body of Christ, the people are the end. We're not a means to an end. We are God's end. God is looking at us, and we're the body, the body of a person, the Lord. And so everything, even revival, the move of the Lord, all that really is a means to an end. It's for us. It's to make us something, to bring us into something. And so lots of times we somehow get this shift in our mind, and we begin to devalue the church in a very unhealthy way. And the church becomes devalued in people's, people's minds and people's hearts. And it's really not a good position to take. It's really an unhealthy thing when you really look at the Bible because Jesus, is, Jesus is, is going for the church. Years ago, when we were in, in Pineville still, um, Robin and I, Cornerstone Church, and Robin and I were there. And, and we, in Morningstar Ministries, this is before Morningstar had a, had a church. There was no such thing as Morningstar Church. There was Morningstar Ministries, which was an equipping ministry. And we were going to uh, join forces on a building because they had a Friday night meeting where they did a training meetings. And we had, uh, uh, you know, we were doing just like a, a normal church kind of deal. It wasn't a, it was a, a local church. And so we were going to join forces 
so we could rent the building together, and they would use it on Friday nights as their training center, and we'd use it the rest of the week, which that was going to save everybody money. That was a great thing. It was cool. And so we had actually picked the building out and was ready to, to sign a lease on it and everything. And then Rick Joyner, uh, he was, when I attended, he came back and he called, called us and said, we need to have a meeting right away. i got something important to say. And we thought, well, like he was going to rush to get this contract signed. So we were sort of excited. And, but we got in and he said, I can't, i got to call the deal off because the Lord spoken to me and the Lord has told me that, that I have to start a church. And because the church is really, the, it's really God's, it's, it's God's intention in the earth. And, you know, even though I, he was saying, I don't want to start a church because I got so hurt in the last church I was in, so wounded in the last church I was in, that I never wanted to start a church again. And I tried to talk God out of me starting a church. That's really literally what he said. But, see, he, he started it. And so that, we just sort of threw that plan out the window uh, at that point in time. It wasn't going to work for two churches that have the same building, although you could do that. And so... I think I was remembering that this that thing this week, how God was emphasizing the value and the importance of the of the local church. Um, and I want to go ahead and read this thing that Rick shared. I actually got an email from them right after I thought that. And Rick was talking about uh, you know Rick's a prophetic. That's his big deal. And he was talking about prophetic people. But we can take this what I'm fixing to read to you, and we can apply it to any type of Christian. Okay, any type of believer. And this is what he said. He said, many prophetic people are rejecting the church for the same reasons they are now rejected by the church. You know, there's a conflict lots of times. The church does not meet up to their standards. Now, I want to tell you the truth. I don't, the church doesn't meet up to my standards. If you read Ephesians and what, G, what Paul was declaring to be the church, it doesn't meet up to anybody's standards if you want to know the truth. That's where we're at, and that's, but that's where God wants to take us from that into something, okay? And, and instead of rejecting the church because it doesn't, it is not, it's not according to the standards of the, the biblical standards, it's not there yet. See, that's a dangerous position to say, prophetic people who do not grow up in a local church life with all its frustrations and irritations... Did you catch that? With all its frustrations and irritation, local church life can be very frustrating and be very irritating. In fact, you could be very irritated right now with me, having to sit here and listen to me. That's just an irritating. He's just irritating. I can't stand that person. But we, that's the whole part of it is for God to send irritants. <laughs> People who don't grow up in local church are not able to mature as they should. In other words... There's a maturing process that God wants to bring. And, and because they are not able to mature as they should, therefore they cannot be trusted with authority as they could otherwise have. Isn't that good? You know, so they... You know, did y'all catch that? I want you to make sure you get it. Because this is really... Likewise, a church that is in such need of maturing, us as a body of Christ need to be mature, could use all the frustrations, the irritations, and problems maturing prophetic people have... To help mature us. Okay, so it's, it's sort of a two-way street what he's talking about. Both need the other to have the extreme edges knocked off of them. Now listen to this. This is pretty big, especially coming from a prophetic person that's really into that flow. But given the choice, I would take a church without the prophetic rather than the prophetic that is not part of a vital local church life. So Rick was saying, you know, if I had to take the choice... I'll take the church without prophetic over prophetic that really has cut itself off from the church. 
he uh, has said, I've heard him say many times, uh, a lot of false prophets really are true prophets, have a true prophetic calling, but because of bitterness and hurt in them and their rejection of the church has caused them to get off. So we could pick on prophets all day long. I don't want to do that in the prophetic all day long. But what I, I do think the point is very important for us to really understand the value of the local church. We're not really supposed to, to preach the church. We're supposed to be preach the kingdom. But we can teach about the things that pertain to Jesus Christ. Paul was, did it. says that's what he was doing the last thing we heard about him in Acts. And, and so I just want really us to get this thought this morning that God highly values the church. Even though we are not what we should be. Okay, we're nowhere near what we should be, and we're really not anything about what is saying here. Um, it says in verse 13, it says that he's given us the fivefold till we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, or really a mature man. So maturity is something that's important for, for us believers, that God wants to grow us up, okay, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, to come into what, who Christ really is and that we're living a full Christ-like life, that we should no longer be children. See, there's so much children mentality in the church. In fact, in terms of, uh, he talks about the doctrine being blown around. There's lots of stuff out there these days, and it's getting more and more. Every true doctrine, every true truth of, of, that there is, there's a false also. There's a counterfeit. And so an immature believer will start believing things about a truth that's not true. And so they get off in their life. And so you see this more and more. And so, there's a, so what we have to do is somebody, and the church has to grow up. We have to become that mature church that really is not blown around. He talks about being blown around by winds of doctrine. Okay, and I'm hearing things, I hear things constantly. That to me, it's, that's a win, a bad win, a false win. It's not true, it's not biblical, it sounds good, it sounds right, but if you really look into it, it will lead you off. Okay, and that's always been the case. Then he, it gets worse, there's trickery of men, there's cunning, cracking, deceitful plotting, all that is going on behind the scenes, so to speak, in the spiritual world. But then he says, but number, in verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, truth and love, real important, that, that, those two things will cause us to grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, truth and love, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Now, isn't that the dream right there? Right? Is that not the dream that, that every joint and the, every person is bringing something? Every person is supplying something. Every person is giving something. Every person is having an impact in the church. Is that anybody's dream in this room? And does anybody long for that? Anybody look? Did you know? That's one thing, the move of the Lord that, that really is appealing about the move of the Lord. A lot of that really happens when the Holy Spirit moves hard. God begins to use anybody and everybody. I mean, if, you just, if you're just barely hanging in there when the move of the Lord comes, suddenly you become a lot more spiritual instantly. You know, and God will use you. Well, we want to see that all the time. That's the ongoing move of God. Uh, it says... And, but Matthew mentioned that, you know, a joint, there's a connection. See, that's getting real, okay? And this is where I, I want us to get real about this. It is not real for people who are not connected to have a lot of say-so and input in the church. Okay, if you're not really vitally connected in the church, it's just not a reality for you to feel like you can have a lot of influence in that church. Is that right? I mean, truthfully, do you want that? 
I mean, I don't want that. I don't want to go in the church and somebody's not vitally connected in that church and they're getting up and just giving a random words, you know, whatever they want to, and the leaders are just letting them do whatever they want to. I don't want to be in a church like that. That's, that's, there's unhealthiness in that. Yet we want, we want the prophetic voices. We want the voices of people. We want to see that come forth because it's biblical. But we've struggled ever. We've struggled with that as a church. Every church has that really desires that. Are y'all okay? Y'all just looking awful serious at me. Okay? This is called the get real meeting, right? I appreciate that, Dean. Okay? Because every joint, when every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, that causes the body to grow. It builds the body and, and the love of God is released. That's what it says right there. Okay, so here's the problem. Okay, I, this is one thing. It's growing up, right? It's maturing. It's becoming something. I want to just share this with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. Okay, those are three chapters in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is spiritual gifts, right? That's what's in it. Gifts of the Spirit, you know, tongues, prophecy, all of them. Then 1 Corinthians 13 is what? It's love. And then 1 Corinthians 14 is what? It's the actual, they talk about the actual exercise of those gifts in the church. Yeah? So here's what I believe, okay? I think this, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. It is just not real for, well, let me just say it like this. Here's what we've done. We've tried to jump over chapter 13, into, straight into chapter 14. Okay? In other words, somehow or another, we've loved our gift. And I love the gifts of the Spirit. I love them to death. But if I don't really have this love of God thing, if I don't have this revelation of the Father's love, if I'm not walking in love, if I'm not living in love, then 1 Corinthians 14 is never going to work in my life, much less in the church. Does that make sense? In other words, we want to see, we want to see 1 Corinthians 14 happen in the church, where it talks about different prophetic people getting up and, and having words and stuff. But the problem is, if, they, if those people haven't walked through 1 Corinthians 13... I don't believe they should be getting up and doing it. I'm just going to be 100% honest with you because I think that's where we can get in error because of what First Corinthians Ephesians is telling us. That the, the church, everything should be done out of love, out of an environment of love. Okay? And that's really the problem is we've loved our gifting and loved the exercise and the right that people have demanded to exercise their gift in the church without the love part. Well, people have a right to exercise their gift in the church. They really do. It's a God-given right. But it's, I don't believe God gave us that right apart from love. Because I believe that's where error comes into the church. Are y'all good? So, I'm not just going to leave you without an answer. I think the Lord's shown me some, a, a great answer here to how to really deal with this and how to really grow up because God is wanting us to get real. He wants us to grow up and get real about life, get real about our church, get real about our Christian life so we can be real people and not people just come to church and want to get up and prophesy. Listen, don't excuse me. Don't, we don't want to get up and prophesy on Sunday and raise hell on Monday with people. You know, and that's and a lot of that happens and that's because there's this thing called love is not really the, a factor in our life. 
y'all are, well, let me just tell you what the Lord showed me. I'm trying to alleviate you of your pain. I told you you were going to be irritated. See, I'm doing what the Bible said. I'm irritating people. <laughs> this is what the Lord showed me. This happened in June. I had two things the Lord showed me. It was on Wednesday nights. First one was this. There was like this window opened up in heaven in here. And these puzzle pieces, a few puzzle pieces came out of the window. Puzzles. And then I heard the Lord say, how many puzzle pieces do you want? I said, I want a bunch of them. As much as I can get. And all of a sudden, it just piled up. This puzzle just, just poured down on the floor. Puzzle pieces. Then, somebody, I don't know who it was, I suppose it was, the Lord started putting together this puzzle. But it wasn't a puzzle that you put on a table and put together. It was a vertical puzzle. Which I didn't even know existed at the time. But there's a such thing as a 3D vertical puzzle. And a lot of times there are buildings and stuff that people put together with puzzles. I don't know if they're real popular or not because they're probably hard to do. You know, but that's what I saw the Lord doing. And I thought, that's amazing. God is really wanting to build something. Okay, He's really wanting to take these different pieces, people, and put them together and build up something. Being the church, because he builds the church. And I, was, he, I felt like that's what he was trying to tell me tonight. I want to build this church. I want to put the, give you the pieces, and I want to put it, and I want to build it up, and I want to bring this thing up. Okay? And I thought, well, that's cool. Do it. Yes. I mean, you know, you get something like that. Like, come on, do it, Lord. I mean, then, this was when uh, Michelle Perry was here. Y'all, if y'all weren't here, then you should repent and ask God to totally forgive you for staying at home that night. Because Michelle Perry is remarkable. Oh, I told this story. I may have told you, like I asked her about, you know, she's one leg. I said, Michelle, like, uh, have you ever thought about what it feels like to have two legs? Oh, yeah, I go up into heaven all the time and walk on my other leg. Isn't that cool? She's already doing that. You know, she's ahead of the game, in other words. She's very spiritual. Anyways, no, that puzzle thing happened that night. Okay, then a couple weeks later, this, really, this happened and this messed me up really bad. Okay. When this came. The puzzle thing, I didn't, there was no emotions or feelings with it. It was just a vision. And they're like, oh, that's cool. But this had a lot of emotions with it. I saw this thing come into the room. And it, I'm sorry if you don't like stuff like this, but that's just the way it is. But it's in the Bible. People saw stuff, right? And so I'm biblical. I'm being biblical here. Okay? I have visions. Everybody should have visions and dreams because it's part of the Christian life. Eyes of our heart being open. Yep. Anyways, I'm just saying that for people who have a hard time. This thing came in. It was a bunch of colored stones, different colored stones. And it was 20 or 25 feet long. It came rushing in the room. It swooped around here. And it had this energy and power on it. And I, I said, what in the world is that? And the Lord gave me a word. And the word was mosaic. Now, I don't know what a mosaic is, like a lot of you smart people. But I looked the word up. Okay, and wrote the definition. Let me read this definition. A mosaic is a picture or pattern produced by arranging together small colored pieces of hard material such as stone, tile, or glass. A colorful and variegated pattern, a combination of diverse elements forming a more or less coherent whole. And so what those stones were, they were individual people. That's what they were. That God was wanting to put together, and they looked different. They were different. The colors were remarkable. They weren't like natural colors. They were beautiful colors. And that's the way we are. We're like these different little pieces of stones. Some are bigger, little, shaped different. That God wants to bring together by the Spirit. 
and put together, okay, and create this mosaic that expresses the Him, expresses the Lord Himself. Okay, and that's really what God, that's God's intention. I believe that will be one of the great moves of God in the earth when, when the body of Christ begins to come together. And then, ladies, it's not a matter of, of are we moving in love? Are we prophesying in love? God is moving and what's coming forth is the mind of Christ. It's the love of Christ. And it's not this immaturity and this thing. Because we've been asked the questions, why can't I just get up and prophesy? Because, number one, we want to protect the church from having to go through stuff that they don't have to go through. And so we've appointed people to, to be like filters to, to facilitate what the Lord is doing. Like, and, and this is immaturity. Let me hear, here's immaturity. We've, I've literally had people leave the church because I wouldn't let them prophesy in the church. That they were offended by it. They asked and said, well, I don't know if, know if that fits right now. And they never came back to church again. Now tell me, is that maturity or immaturity? If I can't get my way. And so, I'm just saying, God wants to get us beyond all that crazy stuff. It's, you know, we're doing, we're doing the best we can right now. Okay? We're doing what we believe is best to really overall. I'm not saying it's the absolute best model in the world. But I think it's better than the model that we used to be in, where anybody could get up at any time, and you just got felt like you got scraped half the time with stuff that people were saying. That just wasn't the Lord. And you was wondering, why, why don't the leaders get scraped and let everybody else off the hook? Let the leaders judge it. If they can't judge it, come on. Are you all following me? And so I'm not saying this model we're using now is, is going to always be used. I don't think it will be. I think there will come a day where their body is mature. And there's enough maturity in the body. And there's a love in the body. There's a love for the church. There's a true love for God and true love for one another. That People are just getting out of the way and letting God move because love is, is flowing. And that's really where we want to go with this thing. And I believe that's where God wants to go. But I don't think we're there today. You know, I just really don't think we're there. So we're just doing, you know, we're dealing with where we're at. But are you all okay? Yeah. Okay, let me, I wrote this scripture down. I was thinking, I've got this revelation with this scripture, but it ain't right. There's something wrong. I wrote it down wrong. But here's, this is the practical part right here. Y'all okay? Uh, mercy, Lord. 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven. I think I've given you this scripture before. Let me just say this. This is a scripture to chew on. This is what it says. Okay, we're right in the middle of 1 Corinthians 13. Right? We're talking about love, okay? When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so, remember what Paul was talking back in Ephesians 4. He was talking about the church growing up. The church quitting being immature. The church coming into something greater. That's God's dream for the church. Okay, and so here's Paul, and he's given the secret here in the love chapter. Is, is this, speaking, understanding, and thinking. So you go in reverse. You go, your speaking comes from your understanding. And your understanding comes from your thoughts. So whatever you're speaking out, there's a, I read a, t- a tweet this week that I love by Brian Houston. Y'all know who he is, the... the 
Hillsong, this is what he said, Your frame of mind will, will frame your world. Your frame of mind will frame your world. In other words, what you're thinking is going to frame your world, and that comes right out of the Bible, Hebrews 11:3. By faith we understand that the worlds were, were framed by the Word of God. In other words, you and I, what we speak is framing our world. It's creating a world around us. Okay? So if you back up, you're speaking... It's framing your, your, you got this frame world, you got this world that's around you. Well, that world came from your, your speaking, and that speaking came from your understanding, and that speaking, and that understanding came from thoughts. So if you want to change the world out here, around you, you have to start with the way you think. That's what he was really telling us. And we had to quit thinking like children. Okay, that's what needs to happen in the church. We gotta quit being so dogged childish. About things, about spiritual gifts, about the way the body of Christ works, about all this stuff. And start thinking like, and start growing up. And start thinking like God thinks. So that, you know, and God thinks in terms of love. He don't think, he don't think just in terms of spiritual gifts. He, he said, you know, pursue love earnestly desire spiritual gifts. They go together. Uh, faith works through love. Okay, so that's really how God wants us to, to change us. He wants us to change His church. He is asking us. He's offering to us. I want you to change this church. I want it to be a church of Ephesians 4. A church that's growing up and that's not being blown around by all these crazy doctrines. A church, a church where every joint is really supplying. And there's a growth and there's edifying of the body. I want to do it. Well, how are we going to do it, Lord? Well, you need to do it by changing what you're saying. And you change what you say by changing what you understand. And you change your understanding by changing your thinking. And so you had to start with your thoughts about all this. You had to be willing to lay your thoughts down about how you think church should be and how you think the gifts should operate or any of it. You had to lay all that down and ask God to give you new thoughts, a different thoughts, because perhaps we weren't thinking right about it. I remember this uh, back when... In the early 90s when Toronto came and everybody was all upset about it, this one person asked this question. He asked two questions. He said, number one, is uh, God bigger than the Bible? Now, he was asking these people who were coming against it that new stuff. You know, these were biblical people. And they all said, oh, of course God's bigger than the Bible. Number two, is God bigger than your understanding of the Bible? Okay? Of course he is. See, we have an understanding... That may be wrong. That we under, well, we understand this is what 1 Corinthians 14 says. Well, what if that's wrong? What if we're understanding something that's really a very low level understanding? And God said, no, that's, that's really immature thinking. We, I want to grow you up into something different. I want, to t- I want to give you some different thoughts about that. In fact, maybe I want to give you some different thoughts about lots of things. Maybe I'd like to even give you some different thoughts about just yourself because you're not even thinking about yourself right. You know? Or maybe I want to give you some different thoughts about your marriage, about your children, about your jobs, about everything, about the whole deal. Maybe, perhaps, you're not thinking right. And because you're not thinking right, you're not understanding right, and you're going around framing a bad world. Does that make sense? And so he put this in the, in the context of love. That this is how we can, we can really engage the love of God in our life. And really begin to, to be a church of love, a church that lives in love, the church that lets God love it, and lets love be the main motivating factor in the church. Now, it is good. This is great. 
I've been applying this in my life, and this is what the Lord's been doing. Uh, you know, you thought, you, you thought that was what you thought was right there. That's not exactly the way it works. That's what he's doing. He's, well, some of it can be kind of offensive, really. You know what I'm saying? When God begins to challenge your understanding about things and says, that ain't, that ain't right, Byron. And, and sometimes he uses people that may not measure up to your standards of spirituality. In other words, they may be like, back of that person knows something better than me because they're not spiritual, Lord. They've only been a Christian months. And God sends them and they say something to you and you feel like it's God talking to you about something. Challenging what you believe. You know? And so that's what God wants to do. Because I've been asking the Lord, Lord, I think I understand a lot of scriptures wrong. I don't think I have the right understanding on them. I need you to help me with them. Okay, I'll be glad to help you with them. I'll be glad to begin to show you what you're believing wrong. But you have to be willing to change your mind about it and change the way you think about it. And I'll give you a new understanding. Well, one thing I did see is I saw the Lord, okay, and I saw a certain person. I was that certain person, okay, come to the Lord. And I had all these thoughts, and I threw them down at his feet. And they all looked like burnt pieces of wood, hay, and stubble. That's what they looked like. And I was giving him my thoughts. But then I heard him say something like this, wait a minute. Some of these thoughts are actually gold that's been burnt. And it just looks like wood, hay. And it just looks like a piece of burnt wood. But I can wipe them off and there's really gold in there. There was really golden thoughts that I had given you. But what happened in your life was you got disappointed. You got discouraged. And it didn't work out. So what I want to do is I want to take all those other thoughts out of you. I want to take them if you'll let me have them. But I want to give you these thoughts back. But I want to clean them up for you. I want to get the discouragement off of you. I want to get the disappointment off of you. And I want to give you those thoughts back and let you begin to think those thoughts again. Isn't that pretty cool? And I feel like the Lord wants to do that. Let me just do this one more scripture. Are you all okay? Because he gave me this. I'm amazed that God speaks to me sometimes. Have you ever thought about that, that God actually talks to you? I mean, I'm always amazed when God talks to me. Like, uh, God, you know how bad I am and you're still talking to me. I'm a bad, I'm bad, Lord. I mean, I was having a really bad day. I didn't feel good. And when I feel bad, I'm not really good attitude. I have some bad thoughts. And God began to show me this, okay? Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, any preacher who would put up Jeremiah 29, 11 to preach out of, you've got to question that guy. Like, do they have some revelation? Or they, they, are they just desperate, you know? Because that scripture has been wore out for years. We've carved it on Bibles. We've carved it on jewelry. I mean, everybody knows Jeremiah 29, 11. Why would anybody in this right mind even want to put that scripture up in Sunday? Because everybody's just going to go, here we go again, Jeremiah 29, 11. I've heard it 988 times. It's never worked. <laughs> you know? But he said that to me. But this is what he said. He said, it, the, he said for I know the thoughts. I thought, I think that's plans, Lord. His thoughts. Some, some versions use plans. But the real word is thoughts. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I know the thoughts that I think. 
God thinks thoughts, just like we do. And He has thoughts about us. And see, we need to, what He wants to do, He wants to give us these thoughts. Because that's how God wants to change our world. Is He wants to put these thoughts, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and hope. He wants to put those thoughts in us so our understanding will begin to be based on those kinds of thoughts. And our words will be based on those kind of, our understanding based on those kind of, and when we speak them, we frame a different world. And we frame a world of good and not evil, a future and not a hope. Y'all see that? I mean, this is really, I'm telling you, this is really where if you really want your life to change, if you really want your personal life to change, this is how you do it. Because doesn't the Bible say repent, which means change your mind, which means get a different way of thinking? Isn't that really it? Because the kingdom's here, and if you'll repent, you'll be able to see the kingdom. It's a mind change. It's a thought change. God, but God has the thoughts. And so what we have to do, I believe, I, don't, I think I'm not the only one that needs to put these old burn-up thoughts before the Lord. I think we all need to give them to Him. And, and, and give Him, and let Him give back to us the precious ones. It's like Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, it says the walls were torn down and the stones were burnt. The walls around the city. And he was trying to you know, rebuild these walls. And it was just a big mess. And that's where a lot of our, our lives are, are messes. Because it's like the walls are torn down. It's just burnt stones. But some of those stones are precious. Those, some of those dreams are precious. I've had dreams about the church. And I have got disappointed and crushed for years about it. Over and over and over. But God takes that thing and says, Byron, that thought was never your thought in the first place. It was always my thought. And you've always got discouraged and disappointed because that thought has never worked out. But it was still my thought and it's a goal thought. And I still want you to have that thought. I want you to have this dream about a church where everybody is flowing in the Spirit and where the love of God is present. And when people speak, God's love, is, and it's a grounding in love. It's a, a revelation of love. And wherever we go, we take that. Instead of this other thing, because we get, I think that's what Rick was trying to address, these prophets that he said were true prophets but became false prophets because they, became, they got hurt in the church. And they became bitter and they became critical towards the church. So what he was trying to say is don't, we don't need to be that way if you're a prophet or if you're anything else or if you're just a Christian. You know? So one thing I wanted to do real quick, how many people here have been hurt by the church and have been real disappointed in church? Okay, will y'all come up here right quick, right now, ones that wait, just come up here. This is really important. Come on, and don't be ashamed if you have, if you, if you don't come up here. Please, I would come up here if I was sitting out there, because I've been hurt so bad, it's just craziness. Over and over and over and over. If you feel like you've been rejected by the church, or if you feel like you don't measure up, and you're just a second-class citizen of the church, that's a lie from hell. In fact, that's one of the biggest lies there is that you're a second-class citizen. Because in God's world, there's no such thing as second-class. Or your vision for church or what you felt like God called you to do it was just pushed aside. Like, that doesn't matter or that's not real or your gift's not important or you're not important. You know, just, we've all, I think, I think probably a lot of people have maybe. I think there's more people. But there's more people in this service than we're the first service. Come on out here, Donna. Anybody else? Come on now. Because we're fixing to do something. 
Okay? Just come on. You see, this is really important to the Lord right this second. I'm telling you, this is on God's heart. He really cares about how you feel and your hurts and your disappointments. God cares about that. Especially when it has to do with the church. Okay? So this is what I want to do. Okay? Anybody who wants to join me is we have something to say to you as the church. Okay? And this is what we have to say. We're sorry. I mean, we really are sorry we hurt you and rejected you. We really are. We love you. And will you forgive us? And I'm saying us. It may not have been River Life, but it may have been River Life. But whoever it was, okay, whoever it was and whoever did it, I'm honestly telling you, I am very sorry that happened. And will you forgive? Will you find your heart and say, I forgive them, Lord. I just forgive. I forgive River Life. If it's River Life, forgive us. If it's the church, I say, forgive them. They're us. We're all one. And if you'll just forgive them and just extend grace to them. Because God wants to heal your heart. Because God is saying to you today, I need you. You're a stone. I put you in the church. I need what you have. I want to do something in your life. I want to grow you into a place where you can be that every joint supply. Where you can bring the Father's love into the church and into the world. And salvation and the gifts, your gifts, all of that. So you guys reach your hands towards them. And let's pray for them. Let's pray.